0: Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and thank you so much for joining me today. At the end of your weekend, wherever you may be, right around Australia and the world. Of course, so much has happened since we last spoke on Wednesday. Lockdown has been extended in New South Wales. It now won't end until the end of September and many are predicting it'll go well beyond that as well. Lockdown has hit regional Victoria as well now with many cases being recorded in Shepparton of COVID-19. But firstly, I wanna just discuss Scott Morrison's appearance on Insiders earlier Sunday morning. Insiders, of course, is the ABC's flagship political discussion show. Scott Morrison managed to brush off concerns that his government had failed on the vaccine rollout by suggesting somehow that many are wise in hindsight. That's a direct quote. Many are wise in hindsight, as though Scott Morrison was not being told all throughout 2020 that he needed to order more doses of Pfizer, that he needed to ramp up the production capacity for the Pfizer vaccine here in Australia, which currently stands at zero, by the way. Morrison has managed to pretend as though All of the advice, all of the commentary, all of the friendly, helpful suggestions of the opposition, of the union movement, even of business, somehow didn't happen and didn't exist. An outrageously ridiculous claim by Scott Morrison. Of course, we can all do better with hindsight. That's a saying we're all familiar with. What Morrison is failing to acknowledge is that he actively chose to ignore an approach by Pfizer to take up their vaccine. The Morrison government ignored it, and now we are paying the price. That's the reality. That's the accountability that Scott Morrison needs to accept. Even now, even now, he's pretending that somehow or another, when we get to 70% vaccination or maybe 80% vaccination, these numbers seem to be used interchangeably will they be able to simply stop doing lockdowns, that COVID will be manageable and that it will be somehow not as serious. Of course, that number doesn't count children at all. And as we're seeing with the outbreaks now in New South Wales, the ACT and Victoria, children are increasingly part of the infected community. It also doesn't take into account the idea that we have tens of thousands of cases of COVID active in the community when we hit those vaccination marks. Now, to David Spears' credit, he asked that question on Insiders and Morrison totally dismissed it, saying that it didn't matter. That what he had seen, what he'd been told, was that the model worked no matter what the starting point. Now, I am not an economist, nor am I a epidemiologist. I do, however, have an MBA and I have built many models. And I can tell you that if you change the variables in the model, the outcomes change. That's why you build a model, to test the variables, to see what the different outcomes are when you adjust the variables. For the Prime Minister of Australia to go on the premier broadcaster of political issues and pretend that somehow or another changing the variables in the government's primary model for managing COVID-19 doesn't impact the outcome is a ridiculous nonsense. A ridiculous nonsense. Now, I'm not saying that the end results won't be a less impact on the community. But it is impossible to believe that a model that says you have very low rates of infection in the community, and if you have those low rates and you get to the point of 80% vaccination, then you can manage COVID without lockdowns, is the same as a model that says you have twenty or 30,000 cases of COVID in, say, the community of New South Wales, you get to 70% vaccination rates and you can still manage COVID without any form of restrictions or lockdown. Those two things are simply incompatible. They do not make sense. It is ridiculous. And it is an attempt to prop up this ongoing view of the Morrison government around its economics-first ideology. When we've seen in country after country after country You have to deal with the health problem. And countries that put the economy in inverted commas first end up not only only with a health problem but still having a tanked economy at the same time. You have to deal with health in order for the economy to thrive because, as we've talked about many times, the economy is simply the decisions that people make to transact with one another, to undertake activity, to buy and sell things. If people are sick, if people are fearful, if people are in hospital or dying from COVID, they're not undertaking economic activity. Talking about COVID, unfortunately, three more people have died in the last 24 hours in New South Wales. New South Wales continues to break its daily record. It has had three straight days in a row of record cases. Yesterday, 826. Today, 830. There are 550 people in hospital with COVID-19 in New South Wales. There are now increasing outbreaks within hospitals themselves. We have 94% people in New South Wales in intensive care and 31 of them on ventilators, ranging right across the different age groups. This is one of the most disturbing outbreaks we have seen in Australia. There are now well over 10,000 cases of COVID-19 active in New South Wales, hundreds of cases where people have COVID and are active in the community, the the number of active cases of COVID in New South Wales has doubled in 10 days. That is truly disturbing. For all of the extra vaccines people have been getting, for all of the extra precautions that Gladys Berejiklian is apparently trying to impose, the active number of cases has doubled and is now well over 10,000. In the ACT, they have 19 cases just today, 19 cases just today. That includes 10 to 12 in the disability community, including support workers. This is a core part of what Morrison promised to have finished well before the middle of 2021, was that disability support workers, people in supported disability accommodation, People in aged care, aged care workers would be vaccinated. Less than one in four NDIS participants, that is people with a disability and participating in the National Disability Insurance Scheme, less than one in four have had a shot of vaccination. This is an outrageous failure by the Morrison government. They have failed to deliver on their promise. And now we're seeing some of our most vulnerable community members infected with COVID-19. And not just infected with COVID-19, but they're vaccinated and less likely to need hospitalisation. But in many cases now, not vaccinated, infected with COVID-19. And we know the repercussions of that, can be hospitalization, ventilation, and even death. Obviously, we hope all of those people have a speedy and full recovery. One of the issues that stands out in Morrison's numbers is that he's not counting children in the 70 to 80% vaccination target. And of course, children are increasingly being infected by COVID 19 and spreading COVID 19. That's why restrictions have been put in place around playgrounds and now childcare and early childhood education centres. Children getting COVID 19 may not suffer the same immediate consequences and are less likely to die. There's no question about that. That is what the stats are showing us. But what we don't know is the long-term impact of COVID-19 on children. It's almost impossible for the science to tell us this. COVID-19 has been around for 18 months. A child under five gets COVID-19 now. We know that in many adults who were infected at the start of the pandemic, some 18 months ago, there have been long-term repercussions, even after COVID has left their system. Problems with their heart, problems with their memory. We would hate to see children being left out of a vaccination program because it suits a political short-term goal, and that is to suggest that we are somehow all safe. If children are exposed to COVID-19, what impact will it have on them in the future? If adults suffer ongoing heart problems, ongoing uh, psychological problems, ongoing problems with their memory, ongoing physiological problems, if that's happening to adults, what might happen to children? At this point, we don't know. And frankly, I think it's an unacceptable risk to say that we can exclude children from a vaccination program and set our targets to exclude them from how we operate in the COVID reality. But Morrison doesn't seem to have such a problem. This is a huge issue, a huge issue which I think is only going to get worse in the days and weeks to come. Now, in Victoria, we have to talk about the fact there were 65 new cases. Obviously, as I've already said, lockdown was extended to include the regions. There are now 27 people in hospital with COVID-19 in Victoria. That's up from 18 just just yesterday. So as of Sunday, 27 in hospital. 12 are in intensive care. There is a cluster around Shepparton, there is fears that there may be a cluster in Gippsland due to wastewater testing, there's some basis for that. We are very, very concerned about what's going on in Victoria. And I'm going to talk now about the fascist recruitment rallies that happened in Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide and Brisbane on Saturday. Now, in Adelaide and Brisbane, they were relatively peaceful. No arrests were reported. But in Melbourne and Sydney, they were not peaceful. And in fact, in Melbourne, they came, and I quote, with violence in mind 4,000 people. Now, I call these fascist recruitment rallies because Nazi stickers, slogans, and symbols were spotted in the crowd, stuck to police vehicles, stuck to buildings. Posts all over the March route. There were no demands put on Morrison to provide economic support or increase vaccine doses or health support or any demands at all placed upon the federal government. This movement of neo-fascists used slogans from overseas, used talking points, repeated on Fox News, and actually committed acts of violence. Six police officers were injured. One was hospitalised. 218 of the neo-fascists were arrested in Melbourne and 47 of them were arrested in Sydney. This is not a labour issue. This is not even a liberal issue. This is a democracy issue. People claiming to want freedom, yet supporting Nazism fascism, attacking those who are standing in line waiting for COVID tests and COVID vaccinations. Reports of them being spat on by the neo-fascists. There's video footage and I'd encourage you to look at it because we need to know what's going on. We need to understand how otherwise relatively normal everyday Australians are being positioned by foreign propaganda. How domestic mouthpieces for these foreign agents are twisting the fear, the uncertainty, the anger of our neighbours, sometimes our co-workers, into supporting these anti-democratic, anti-health fascist messages. Freedom does not mean letting your neighbour die. Freedom does not mean you not having to wear a mask but a child having to wear a ventilator. That is not freedom. And there's some video footage where the neo-fascists approached construction workers in Melbourne and tried to convince them to join this rally. And not one. Not one of those workers walked off the job to join them. I'm proud to have been part of many rallies in Melbourne and in Sydney where construction workers have stood side by side with workers from hospitality, the education sector, the health sector, and demanded fair and better wages, fair and just conditions for all Australians. The neo-fascists could not convince those workers to walk off the job. And I think it's a great moment to remind us all why being in union, why standing together is so important. And I'd encourage everyone to join their union, australianunions.org.au slash wow. They are, of course, supporters of this show, and we are great supporters of their podcast On The Job, hosted by Francis Leach and Sally Rugg, who discuss all issues related to working life, what it's like in the workplace, why being in your union is so important, what unions are doing in the workplace. They have great banter. It's a great show. I'd encourage everyone to check it out on thejobpodcasts.com.au or wherever you get your podcasts from, you can pick it up there. The real Freedom Rally that happened on Saturday, the real Freedom Rally that happened on Saturday was in Hobart, where people from all walks of life came together to demand more support and more action to help the Hazara people in Afghanistan. Now, we talked about the Hazara on Wednesday's show. I'd encourage you to go back and have a listen there. We don't have time to go through all of that detail again. But what I will say is that Scott Morrison on Insiders this morning said that he could not promise or would not promise to get all of Australians out of Afghanistan, which is effectively a promise to abandon the Hazara. It's effectively a promise to abandon the translators, abandon the guides, abandon those who helped us in Afghanistan, those who, for almost a decade, Australian veterans have been calling for support, have been calling for the government to support, to bring here, to make safe. Morrison has effectively gone on national television and told the world that he will abandon those allies of Australia. A disgraceful, cowardly act. And it was wrapped, and it was wrapped in a bow of dog whistle. I won't repeat the way he put it, and I certainly won't repeat the way Peter Dutton put it. But needless to say, the implication was that our allies, the men, the women, the families who had supported our veterans in the field, were not to be trusted. That somehow or another, they would do us harm. These people who had put their lives on the line for the last 20 years to help us have been now painted by the Prime Minister and the Minister for Defence as somehow untrustworthy. The irony of a man who promised to bring Australians home by Christmas, who were stranded due to COVID and failed. The irony of a man who has said he will not bring Australians home from Afghanistan. Who promised we'd be at the front of the queue for vaccines. Who promised we'd all be vaccinated before October. Who promised that aged care workers and disability support workers would be vaccinated before the middle of this year. The irony of a man who abandoned the country during bushfires, suggesting that our allies who stood in the field of battle next to Australian soldiers somehow or another can't be trusted is quite sickening in actual fact. If anyone can't be trusted in this process, it has to be Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton. Because, of course, the other piece of news that came out since we last spoke was the unemployment figures. And I'm going to end on this note very, very quickly, because unemployment has officially dropped to 4.6%. Now, if you take into account those people who are working zero hours, because you might be going, there are lockdowns. How can it have fallen to 4.6? Well, because the numbers are broken. The way the government manipulates the numbers means that even in lockdown, even when it's obvious to all of us that unemployment will have gone up in the last few months, they're still reporting a decline in unemployment. If you take into account the people who worked zero hours, then unemployment is at 6.8%. And Saul Eastlake, the well-respected independent economist, suggests that the effective unemployment rate is actually around 8%. While Greg Jericho, the writer for The Guardian, has suggested that in New South Wales, effective unemployment is closer to 10%, sitting at around 9.8%. Because there is still no wage subsidy. There is still no national economic recovery program. There is still no support... No additional support for those on JobSeeker. The Morrison government can't be trusted to help Australians in need. It can't be trusted to support our allies. It can't be trusted with figures around vaccines or figures around unemployment. Frankly, the people that I put my trust in are my neighbours, my community, my union... It's the people like those workers on the construction site who refuse to join the neo-fascists, who refuse to listen to the propaganda of foreign agents, who refuse to simply blindly accept that their anger could be used against their long-term interest. So I encourage you to get involved. You know, we might be in lockdown, but there's still many ways. You can join your union online, australianunions.org.au slash wow to join your union. You can participate in online actions. Go to megaphone.org.au to see how you can get involved with those things. And of course, to find out what's going on in the broader workplace, listen to On The Job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg on thejobpodcast.com.au to download that one. It's been a huge few days since we last spoke on Wednesday and I'm sure there'll be lots that happens between now and then as well. So please do remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.